Welcome to Women to Women podcast's 100th episode. An established leader and influencer in the pharmaceutical industry, Divya has been working in the field for more than 23 years with companies such as Johnson & Johnson, Novo Nordisk, and Sun Pharma. She's a seasoned speaker and has served as chairperson for various pharma forums and conferences. She also hosts the Women to Women podcast series to provide women professionals and executives with support and guidance. With more than 30 global product launches, she has a passion for operational aspects of mission-critical projects that maximize portfolio and have a positive impact on patient lives. She also enjoys running marathons, triathlons, and Indian classical music. Hello, and welcome back to Woman to Woman podcast. We are officially at our 100th episode, so congratulations. Thank you. So excited about that. And thank you so much to our listeners who have been with us for so long. Um, we really appreciate your support. So today we're going to get a greater look at the podcast creator and host, Divya Yargundla. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. It's a little odd being on the other side, but uh, no, very excited. Having uh, reached the 100th episode, it's a huge milestone. When we started, we never thought we would uh, get here this quickly. Two years and three months. So it's, it's just been a great ride, great journey. Very excited to be here today. Yes. And thank you for having me as your host. You know, I've seen you from the daughter capacity, but to see you uh, in this space um, in your element doing work. So it, it's been really exciting and fun for me too. Well, I guess for, you know, the listeners who haven't gotten the chance to meet you in person, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I grew up in India, came here after my grad school for another grad <laughs> degree. I have been here almost 26 years now. Growing up was very different uh, with a lot of culture, a lot of values. And then moving here was uh, culturally very different for me. And also um, having joined the workforce, it was uh, professionally, it was um, a growth period for me to just learn how things work in the Western world compared to where I came from. We finally reached 100 episodes of Woman to Woman. Huge congrats on that. How exactly did you get the idea for starting this podcast and what was the process like getting it off the ground and up and running? For people who know me, they know that I'm very big on mentorship. I've been part of multiple mentorship programs. I've been part of PMI mentorship uh, for almost 15 years now. Done a lot of work with high school kids and girls and women. And one of the things that happened during COVID, I was having this one mentee session and you know how at the beginning of the COVID there were like network issues everywhere and people couldn't get on. So I recorded one of our Zoom sessions and uh, my mentee asked if he could share and I was actually helping him with uh, developing some soft skills for college interview process and when he asked me if he could share it with some of his friends I said sure of course you know absolutely this is advice for everybody and then he sent me a very nice note saying that uh, did you know you're viral in my friend group because everybody appreciates the advice and more and more people want me to share the video is that okay I'm like sure so the idea was a brainchild on a walk with my husband uh, based on a lot of mentorship sessions I have done idea that I could do this on a multiplier factor if it was a podcast it's accessible um, a lot of women you know listen to podcasts or read books from from big leaders like Indra Nui and others. But sometimes the things they have done are way in the past. The things they have achieved are just so lofty that you just give up even before you start. 
So the idea was how do we find these leaders next door that can really help build that momentum. It's one step at a time and every achievement is a milestone for us. So how do we do that? And that's how I reached out to my network and started building the guest base. And then organically it grew actually three focus groups, one with high school girls, one with new grads. And then the third one was our biggest cohort with mid-career women. And we said, if you had a leader, what is it that you would want to know? What questions would you ask? And so all the questions we asked actually came out of those themes. Uh, We've kept in touch with them and every season we go back and refresh some of the questions based on what our listeners want to listen. And the whole format is really around the questions that our listeners want to ask. And I ask those questions to our um, women leaders who come on the podcast. The whole idea is to have that multiplied effect, learn from their experiences and understand what has worked for us. And maybe even if there is one nugget that can help somebody progress further in their career, then I think we have done our job. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. You know, I think it's really inspiring to other women out there to start their own initiatives and get together, you know, strong women in powerful positions to find out how we can empower those around us. So absolutely. And it takes a village, you know, I couldn't have done it without other women who agreed to come on the podcast, especially like uh, I have to give it to Mara Isaac. She was my first guest. And I just mentioned to her in passing and I said, I want to do a podcast and I want you to be my guest. And she's super busy. And she was like, of course, I would love to do that. So a lot of people I just, you know, casually mentioned and they jumped on and hard to find people who are extremely busy. They made time for this. So it just speaks to their passion and without guests like that and again without my husband who's very supportive you know without him it's very hard to take something off the ground of this magnitude it's a whole team that comes together to get this done so again a lot of effort great idea but again execution is the key and it takes a lot of people to do it a big thank you to my team and you mentioned your first guest. So uh, taking a look back on the you know 99 people you've interviewed so far, what do you think is the biggest takeaway that you've learned and applied to your own career? So one of the things, and again, you know, sometimes when you're sitting by yourself, thinking things through, you feel you're the only one. Having talked to, I have actually talked to 113 women so far in this process. One of the things that comes out resonatingly is the fact that we all have very similar issues. We all have similar thoughts and we think we are the only ones going through a certain situation or a period but there are people out there seek out help ask people what they have done have they gone through certain situations we don't open up and i think one of the things we as women need to do is we have to be our own champions because nobody else is going to go there and put themselves out there for you people do it but you can't assume you have to be your first biggest champion. And I think that really helps uh, push your case, whether it's career, life, seeking help when you need to. That's another big one. We hesitate because we want to be super moms and super career women. We want to do everything ourselves. It doesn't work that way. The more help you seek, the better you get at things and people get invested in your success as well. Um, And I'll give you an example when somebody approaches me and says, hey, I need advice and, you know, X, Y and Z. After I have given an advice, it's not that I forget about them. You know, in my mind, I'm still thinking, oh, did they actually do this? Did it help? And I need feedback, too, so that when I'm advising somebody else the next time, my advice is on point. So it just generates a curiosity within me as a mentor as well, or even an advisor to go back and say, hey, what happened? And 
now looking back when i was growing in my career i hesitated i never did this where i went and asked people for help or asked for advice the way now people come and ask me and i'm like i should have done this because then i would have had a lot of people who were invested in my success and also overall success of us as a group that's something i would definitely change going back couple of other things since you mentioned you know all these amazing women have talked to one of the things that resonatingly comes out and which i am a firm believer of is open mindedness we need to have especially as women we need to be more open minded and i see this all the time we have very preset conceptions and we just stick to those and we don't think in terms of what is the other person trying to say we just look at what they are saying and this especially comes out when we are given constructive feedback we take a very defensive stand and sometimes we take it too personally and i think that's one thing any feedback is a gift just take it and then understand where they're coming from the fact that they've spent the time to give you the feedback means they come from a good place they want you to improve nobody gives a feedback to put you down they give you feedback because they want you to improve they're telling you where the area of improvement is so if we look at it from that perspective also understand where they have made mistakes because a lot of people actually tell you you know i had done something like this and this is the result so learn from their mistakes understand their intentions where they're coming from ask for help and then biggest thing i would say is networking i started networking way late in my life i didn't understand the importance of it i didn't believe in the relevance of it when i was very young but then again we are all young at some point and we learn from our mistakes if you have to start on something start on networking very young like at your age and again networking is not just going and asking for help barging somebody with a request it's really making those meaningful connections understanding what their key strengths are and a lot of times it's not just that you're asking for help a lot of times even from where you are and you know this right i've come seeking help from you many a times whether it's like you know dressing up or whatever else um there are areas i'm not good at just acknowledging that and even you have helped me and somebody may say how can a kid help their mother but it works that way and i think that's the mindset we need to have who can help and then making that connection don't need to ask for help today but when you need it you know who to approach and who to go to i guess another question that uh the listeners might be interested in finding out is you talk a lot with women who are in you know spanning careers and they do all different things but if there's something that is fundamentally uh similar across those careers what do you think you have found that to be one thing i would say is all the women who have made it again it's a very personal definition of making it right they are all risk takers so they have taken opportunities where they didn't believe that they could succeed on day one but they saw in themselves the potential to succeed at some point and i think that's one common thing across all of these women they have taken the risks and even when i have asked them to say hey what is it that you would change going back they said i would have taken risks earlier <laughs> because once you see the benefit of taking the risks and the rewards associated with them then you know it's like oops why didn't i do this before like why did i waste 6 or 8 years to even get to this point and we all have that pivot point in our life and career right at which point you decide okay this is not working i need to do something different and then they take a risk and then one other thing many of these people have multiple sources of joy and i'm a big believer on that just don't look at your career as that one place where you'll find joy don't just bank all your happiness on career if career is not moving there are many periods where you know things will be stagnant 
But then is there something else in your life which brings you joy? And having that as your second source or third source, like for me personally, I'm very invested in music. Um, I'm very invested in my running and triathlons. At some point, and of course, kids, family, you guys, it's like something or the other is always giving me joy. So if for some reason my career is not moving, let's say for a year or two, it's stagnant. I've never been, you know, depressed or sad because there was something else always happening something else to lift me up. So that would be my other advice. Just don't bank on career for your happiness. Friends and family, of course, always give you joy and find what works for you. It's not the same for everybody. Everybody has it different. In your career at any point, have you encountered any naysayers? So going back to you referencing that uh, for you, feedback, all feedback is good feedback. But when someone has been negative or perhaps blocking your way, how do you deal with that in a positive and constructive way? So nobody knows this better than you. I'm very competitive. (laughs) There have been a lot of naysayers. But you know, at this point, looking back in my career, I don't remember any of those naysayers. All I remember is because I took it up as a challenge, because they said I couldn't do something, I took it up as a challenge and I worked hard to excel at it. So all I remember is the triumph that I felt at the end of meeting that challenge and saying, well, they thought I couldn't do this, but well, guess what? Not only did I do it, but I did it this well. So that's that's the feeling that I remember. So in a way, having all those naysayers was good for me because that really pushed me to limits that I didn't know I had. Naysayers will always be there, uh, but how you look at it matters. And again, not everything somebody says, you have to take it to heart. So if somebody is very negative and saying, you know, you can't do this, take it with a grain of salt. Not all feedback in that respect is actionable. Look at what's actionable. Look at it. Okay, they're saying it's not possible because of X, Y, and Z. Take it as somebody's lessons learned and take it as watch outs. This may happen. This may happen. What am I going to do to counteract it? So use it to make your plan of action, not to say, oh, I won't do this because somebody thinks I can't do it. Well, that's a really great spin on it, I think. Um, A way to make it your own advice as opposed to uh, a naysayer's negative comments. I guess going back to your childhood, you discuss a little bit about where you came from and moving to America, but even growing up, what were your goals for your career in life? And were there any inspirations that helped you shape those goals? So growing up, the goal was to do higher studies. (laughs) That was it. At that point, I was very interested in math. I was good at math. I guess it came very easy to me. So for me, it was like, what's easy? What am I good at? And what can I excel at fast? That was the way I looked at it. So I wanted to do something in math. A lot of technology was coming up at the time. There was a lot of computer science, you know, was coming up. So at that point, I thought, you know, with a math degree, I can go into pure math, applied math, or I could do something with computer science. So that was the way I was looking at it. Um, I'm third of three daughters. So I grew up uh, in a very supportive family with uh, supportive parents. Both my parents worked full time and we were three kids and my mom actually worked through all. She used to do amazing stuff. She used to sing, she used to cook really well and she used to sew a lot and stitch things for us all the time. And that kind of build that way of doing things. Like there's not just one thing you can do. Just because you're working doesn't mean you don't have to do the other stuff or you don't need to do it. And he always did things with love, you know, and enjoyed doing it. So watching somebody enjoy doing their things also helps you enjoy it more. So when somebody enjoys cooking for you, you enjoy that cooking more, right? For example. 
um and on that note my dad was very liberal and even though we were all three girls um and i'm the youngest you know with a lot of gap between my other two sisters he always instilled uh, the fact that just because we were girls doesn't mean that we can't achieve anything that sky's the limit we should go forward and try to do everything we can whether it's financial independence whether it's taking risks when i came out of high school i actually joined myself into college because my dad was traveling at the time So I took a train cross country and went and uh, joined the dorm and everything by myself. And I still remember the warden was just zapped. She was like, "Where's the parent?" Because in India, that's not how it's done. You know, the parents always come, the guardian. And uh, just telling her the fact that you know my dad would come after a week, but I'm here to join on time. For the first time, I saw that something that we took for granted because my sisters had done something very similar too, and I never even questioned that why I need to do this. But when you see other people, just so amazed that you're able to do something like this that's the first time i realized you know the way we think in our house is very different the way we do things and expect things out of each of us as a family member is very different and i think that's what we have tried to do with you guys as well right we expect more <laughs> and what we do is um, just normal yeah i think i i also enjoyed that a lot growing up having the freedom to make decisions for myself but have the support from you know you and dad to to back me up when i needed that you hire a lot of people so what's what are some qualities that you look for in the people that you want to work for you see first and foremost of course every job comes with a job description where they're looking for certain skills and certain expertise for that specific role so that's a given but then when you're talking to somebody in an interview the one thing that stands out for me is energy I like I like people who have high energy who are passionate about things not just that the way they approach situations I lo- I ask a lot of situational questions you know if this was a situation how would you handle it and it's the approach that matters like are you looking at things from all angles are you taking everything into account are you looking at it from the position of what are the intentions what is the plan how are people going to work with are they collaborative are they team players so and i'll give you an example to you know once i had this brilliant person interview along with that not so brilliant again really good person but not as brilliant as the first person but then just talking to them realize that you know the first person is really a lone player doesn't work very well in teams doesn't really like to connect with others and the second person is really good team player loves to connect with people is great in collaboration we ended up hiring both but then in a role which was cross functional leadership and management we put the second person and extremely successful the first person we put more where it was a individual contributor a role which was very specific where they could do their deliverables from anywhere and really didn't have much interaction they were also successful but knowing what their key strengths are and how they would fit is very important because the first person would not have been a good fit for the second role even though on paper they are exactly the same so looking for how they approach how they work with people um it's very important and especially in these days when most of us are working you know partially hybrid situation you know half remote half in person having those people skills having that collaborative uh, mindset it's extremely important because now we have to collaborate across boundaries every day you know not just boundaries of our team structures but this whole virtual in person aspect as well so that's one thing i would say focus on that build those skills and going back to this leader versus team player dynamic in your day to day how exactly do you see 
how you can balance being a leader and being assertive and fighting for you know what you need versus being a team player and trusting those around you to do what they were hired to do. So even as a leader, right, we trust but verify because you have to trust your team to do what's right and that's why you hire them. I am very big on delegation. You have to empower your employees and you have to give them the power to execute. My job as a leader is to be there in a support role to make sure they're getting everything they need, whether it's tools, it's time, any escalation, how can I help them sort out things? That's my job. But I have to ensure that they have the power and they feel empowered to make decisions. And again, this goes back, you know, day one, maybe they'll be 50% effective. Nobody's going to be perfect. Maybe I can do the job in a minute, which will take them an hour. But at some point, you know, teach them fishing kind of a concept. You know, I can't fish for them. If I have to have a multiplier effect and I have to have a high performing team, I have to build those skills and I have to show them that I'm confident in their skills. So it'll build over time. The first day may be 50%, but you know what? In a week, they might be 200% of where I would have been. Because again, once they get into the group, I don't know how everybody's capabilities will get projected later on. So having that faith and believing in your team to say, hey, it's okay to be slow, but learn it and then do it to your best of abilities, I think is very important, whether you're a leader or whether you're even individual contributor, right? Because to your point, you're again relying on others to do what's expected of them. But always trust and verify. Check on them. Following up, I feel, is a key skill not a lot of people have, but it's very essential. Close the loop. One person had told us, one of our neighbors, old neighbors, he had said, you know, it's the ABCD principle. Always be closing the deal. So whether it's a deal or it's a communication or it's a project, make sure you close it. Without closing the first one, there's no point because loose ends just make the whole communication such a big nightmare. In your own personal career, what do you think is your biggest failure thus far? And what exactly did you come out of it growing or did you, what, what did you learn from this failure? That's a great question. So I would say I was not assertive. And uh, one of my managers at the time, and this was very early in my career, she had said, you're very resilient, but you're not assertive. At that point, because I, I actually had an opportunity to be assertive and get something for the team, and I wasn't. And that was my personal biggest failure, because at that point, I realized she's right. I am very resilient, which is a great quality to have. Don't get me wrong. But being assertive was more important in that situation. And that really helped me grow further in my career because, again, there is a fine line, right? Being assertive and being aggressive. And that's another thing we talk a lot about, how women are perceived as aggressive when we try to be assertive. But don't let that perception hold you back. You have to be assertive. You have to ask for what you believe in, what you know is the right thing. To do either based on your experience or whatever else um, information you have at hand so having that skill is extremely important ask be assertive another great example that comes to mind at one point in my career i was working really hard and i had really proved myself and i thought i was ready for that next level you know take it to the next level get that uh, promotion but then it just so happened that somebody else who didn't have the same level of experience I had actually got that position. And that kind of got me thinking. And I realized at that point, and I asked for feedback. And the one feedback I got was first thing was, 
I was very good at what I was doing. So there was some hesitancy to move me from where I was. Um, and then the second thing was I did a lot of great work, but not a lot of people knew about me at the time. And the person who actually got the job had a huge network. People knew what they were doing. So even though they didn't have the level of experience I had or had done the things that I had done, nobody knew what I had done. And they knew the potential of this other person and they were offered the job, which kind of really now looking back is the point where I realized, you know, you have to be really good at what you do, but it's even bigger thing to start your network, to start working with people, showing them what you're doing to other people. So it's not just you sitting in your desk doing everything you can and assuming everybody knows what you're doing. You have to put yourself out there. You have to build that um, network of allies and sponsors who can speak for you. So even though I had done everything, there were two or three people who knew about it. The people who were in the room making the decision, I didn't have a sponsor who could say, no, but she has done all of this. She has the experience and the skill sets and she's proved herself. So that really is the point where I understood the importance of networking, having mentors, having sponsors, and also the fact that you can be great at what you do, but if nobody else knows, it doesn't matter. So you've interviewed a lot of women about how they've started their careers, but how exactly did you get started? So for me, it was not if, it was when. I had a working mother, my mom worked all her life. So at that point, for me, not working was not even an option. But then um, when I graduated from school, I was like, okay, what would get me a job faster? And then I was already in the STEM area. So I actually got Microsoft certified um, and then that was my first job. And that one job led to another. And then after my MBA, I actually had um, the option to move into marketing and sales and that's what I did. And I think from that point on, my career took traction and I've stayed in that for more than 23 years at this point. Would you have any advice to people looking to switch their career at uh, any point in life? I would say look for skills that are uh, transferable. And a lot of what we do, irrespective of industry or segment, there are things that are very common, like uh, project management, leadership skills, collaborative efforts, cross-functional leadership, solving business complexity. These are things that are very transferable. So if you can find, make a grid of all the things that you have done and then look at where you want to be and what are the things they need, you can literally map it out and then that's how you approach, whether you're looking for the new job or talking to somebody asking if they have open position, how do you position yourself to say you are the candidate? That would be the best way to say, these are the seven things I have done, which are very relatable to what you need and I can deliver. Finally, any advice or any closing thoughts that you want to share with women who aspire to be a strong career woman like you? I would say take every day as a gift. Take every advice as a gift. Don't shy away from risk. Take the risks. Ask for opportunities. As a leader, I always appreciate when somebody raises their hand and says, okay, give me more. And I love to give more work to busy people because I know it'll get done and they're efficient. And the more they have on their plate, they have better methodologies of prioritizing and getting things done and delegated further. So I think do that, raise your hand, take new opportunities. And when the first thought comes to say, oh, I don't have resources or I don't have time to do this, think about saying no. Again, that's another big, powerful tool we have. We have to say no to things so that we can say yes to something that's more important. If we keep saying yes, because that's what's expected, you'll never have time to do everything you really want to do or you know you can excel at. So having that ability to say no is also extremely important. So I would say those will be a couple of things I would focus on 
for our listeners. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to interview you. Um, this is Shravya Nandiala, and I'm here with my mother, Divya Gundla, creator and host of Women to Women. And this was our 100th episode. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Shravya. First of all, thank you for agreeing for being my guest host today. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, thank you. And I really want to thank our listeners. We have been a great success because of you and all that great feedback that keeps coming, pouring in week after week, adding new questions, congratulating us on a certain selection of a guest, which helps us select more guests for the future is really just um, overwhelming. And it's amazing to see the response. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, please continue to support us. Thank you.